Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Eurogamer podcast. I'm Bertie, your host, and every two weeks I find someone interesting from the world of games to talk to. Remember, supporters of the Eurogamer website get these episodes first, along with lots of other nifty things like ad-free viewing and exclusive articles. Check the description below to find out more. Today on the podcast, someone who's helped rewrite the rules on disabilities in famous role-playing worlds like Dungeons & Dragons and The Witcher, as well as Cyberpunk, Pathfinder, Starfinder, and Hellboy. Uh, There's quite a lot. Um, there's someone whose combat wheelchair add-on for D&D has been praised not only by the many people it now helps represent, but by D&D maker Wizards of the Coast itself, and by Critical Role's Matt Mercer, whoever he is. And there's someone whose explanation of Geralt of Rivia as someone with a disability gained the attention of the showrunner of the Witcher Netflix series, Lauren Hisrich. They are writer, designer, and consultant, Sarah Thompson. Hello. Hi. Did uh, I get yeah. everything correct there? <laughs> I, I think that is everything. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, surprisingly long when uh, other people, you know, talk about it, which is yeah, always just surprising. <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? It's a, a reminder that we do quite a lot in our lives, and yeah. sometimes we think like we have to achieve more. Yeah, definitely. Now, I remember um, the Geralt of Rivia conversation about disability because I remember asking you um, if you'd write a piece for Eurogamer, uh, which you did, uh, which I'll link in the description below. But in a nutshell, um, it's that Geralt suffers a serious injury over the course of his adventuring, as you probably would, given his line of work. Um, and it's an injury that the games and series um, either seem to ignore or hide. Um, have I got that right? Um, it's, it's this conflation (laughs) with, in the books, um, that eventually, uh, the injury is, um, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm forgetting her name. Uh, but, um, she, one of the sorceresses, um, I think it's in Lady of the Lake. Um, she, uh, basically, um, heals and people seem to conflate healing an injury with curing which isn't necessarily the same thing. Um, I see. And, because uh, a, a he- something that's healed can leave mm-hmm. behind. Yeah, uh, scars an and, you know, yeah. an injury and stuff. And um, it first gets uh, brought up in the Baptism of Fire novel. Um, well, at the at the beginning of that, it's when Geralt's injury uh, uh, heals and um, using the uh, Broccolon Forest uh, waters and con inhaler plant i think that's how you pronounce it um but yeah he he it gets healed and his kind of journey with dealing with chronic pain and the instability in that joint um and how you know it is a disability um and why it's important you know that we we don't forget that about the character um, yeah. Especially a character who's seen as you know so strong and very central to a lot of people's like idea of what a fantasy hero is. People think Geralt, um, and yeah, he he is also disabled as well. And um, you know, and in the response to that article and uh, the tweet as well, some people seem to think that um, calling him disabled was some kind of detraction upon his character, mm. um, and it's not. It's not a detraction at all, um, you know, and to the fact that people think it is kind of shows that, uh, you know, issue that we have in fantasy with, um, you know, people only thinking uh, able-bodied character as the hero being central, um, you know, and the fact that uh, disabled people can very much be heroes as well. Um both in you know real life and in our fantasies yeah i remember seeing um some of the 
attention uh, that that what well, was originally uh, a thread on Twitter, uh, and then it and then it became a piece. But I, I remember seeing some of the attention that thread on Twitter got, and obviously, Twitter attracts um, people who don't stop th- and think uh, a lot of the time. Um, which is a shame, but shows, as you mentioned, that there's still a lot of work to do here to to educate people and to open people's minds and to change people's minds. Um, and, and one of the people uh, that this got through to, who wasn't necessarily interacting it, uh, with it in that way, but was uh, the Netflix uh, Witcher series showrunner, uh, Lauren Hisrich, who replied to the tweet and yeah. said something like, oh, I didn't think about this when I was reading the books. I will now uh, think about it. And that obviously then uh, focused a lot more attention uh, back on the tweet. Um, what was that like? Did, did you end up talking to her in the end? Um, yeah, we, we talked in um, just DMs on, on Twitter. Oh, right. Um, and uh, yeah, she was, um, she reached out and she went, yeah, I'm going to reread the books. Um, and reread it with that perspective in mind, specifically when I get to that book, um, where it happens. And uh, yeah, she was um, very kind and supportive of it. And, you know, also said to the fact that the fact that she hadn't thought of that or hadn't realized um, that about Geralt. And, uh, you know, she felt that that spoke you know, of the same issues that I've been trying to address where, you know, either disability gets covered up or it's not considered part of the, um, of, uh, you know, what, what it takes to be a hero, you know, a disabled Mm. person isn't usually considered that in fantasy or, you know, our kind of, um, fantasy games, you know, worlds, etc. Um, and yeah, she, she was, um, very kind, (laughs) uh, and, uh, yeah, it was it was very um, surreal <laughs> um, I because can imagine. I was just riding the high off like season one of The Witcher because I really loved it. Um, as someone who read the books, I thought it was a really good like adaptation of Last Wish um, and really enjoyed it. And I made that Twitter thread purely because I really appreciated. Uh, I just really love The Witcher and I really appreciate it. And I wanted to kind of share that in some in some way and um speak about uh, a part of the books that spoke to me as someone who read them um and yeah it was uh great like but also very surreal <laughs> <laughs> but you also I, I mean you say you're someone who's read the books but you uh, are also someone who's thought very deeply about the witcher universe because you've worked on uh, the witcher tabletop role-playing game as well yes and you had worked on it at this point? That was before, uh, I think. I had worked on it. Um, I'd uh, ri- By then, I'd written my first adventure. Uh, adventure, sorry. It hadn't been published yet. Okay. Um, but it had been written um, by that point. So was this something that, that you had addressed in the game itself? Um, in, like, personal stuff I'd written for the game, yes. Um uh and in that adventure i'd written um i hadn't directly addressed it um but i had uh written in some npcs who are disabled and they've got little um uh, advice bars and such on how you would uh gm um and role play that kind of character um and how to do it you know sensitively and such um and in my more recent um work with and it's been a bit more direct with um, regards to, to disability. I can't say a lot on it, but <laughs> it's been a lot uh... more direct um, with uh, working on the kind of disability representation and such. And you can't say much because there's a, a new adventure coming out and you don't want to spoil it? or um, There's a new adventure. I've written the adventure for the upcoming uh, Tome of Chaos installment for the, the games um and uh some other stuff that's going to be coming out later down the line which is part of their dlcs that they do i can't remember what we call them for the witcher i think i think we call them uh rodolph's wagon or something on the website um okay and yeah but uh it's essentially like the the witcher equivalent of what they do for the cyberpunk red dlcs so 
you speak to Lauren Hisrich and, and she says um, she's going to go and, Ray and, and read the books. Um, and, and to be clear, one of the things you were asking about in the piece that you wrote is that people consult uh, with people uh, with disabilities, hire a consultant, bring someone in, you know, don't try and think of it yourself um, if you don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Get someone, get someone who does. Presumably you didn't then consult on the series no. uh, from, from then on. No. But did you did you get um, a sense, because now obviously we've had a second series, uh, do you get a sense that any of the things you were talking about were, were seen or heard or, or portrayed more um, in the series? Because of course, one of the characters, uh, Yennefer, um, has quite an, an obvious um, disability uh, before she is yes. healed or cured. I'm not sure what the word word would be. Um, um, I th- yes. Did you yeah. see any? What did you think of the second series in that um, regard? Second series uh, overall enjoyed. Um, you know, um, but uh, there there were things I felt I felt that I you know it had been taken on board at least because. In the background, even though there weren't any like directly, you know, main characters who were disabled, there was in the background of a couple of shots we saw wheelchair using people in the background and just small things like that, you know, meant an awful yeah. lot. Um, and uh, I know that um, uh, Yennefer's transformation in the first season and in the books as well has left, you know. A bad taste rightfully so in a lot of disabled people's um mouths um and i feel it runs um pretty pretty deep it's it's kind of like a, a complex topic both in um it has its hands in the roots of ableism within fairy tales um themselves mm. how if you work hard enough and you try hard enough um and you're a good enough person you'll be magically cured of your uh, illness or disability um, right, which we okay. see a lot in fairy tales um, one of the most noticeable being uh, the the girl without hands um, and you know she has to become a good person in order to get her hands back um, and uh, yeah so the, and with the witcher obviously drawing a lot on um, fairy tales uh, for its setting of course it's going to kind of go hand in hand um, and you can kind of see the parallels of that a lot with um, Yennefer's story. Um, you know, if she works mm. hard enough and is good enough at magic, then she can be cured of her disability, right. um, which yeah. happens. And uh, so, yeah, it it kind of perpetuates that. Um, but I do feel that with the TV show at some point, um, they they didn't do it in season two, but maybe in the future, you know, it could be something that gets addressed or you know right. brought up and discussed um and have it be you know a significant part of Jennifer's character development um because I, I understand from like how season two went you know that even though it clearly draws on um the witcher setting and characters and everything it's not one for one following the books directly um with uh you know with the changes that happened in season two um so I feel like, you know, they have that opportunity to um, really uh, kind of address it in a way that was never really addressed in the novels, um, at least not from Yennefer's point of view. Um, it was more addressed yeah. from Geralt's, not perfectly, but it was addressed in Geralt's um, point of view. Um, so, you know, hope, hopefully um, it, it can be brought up. Um, and I'd like to see it brought up for sure. Um, and I'm kind of hopeful with even just that kind of small, uh, you know, showing of disabled people in the Witcher setting, even just in the background um, of scenes, um, while disappointing that we haven't had a disabled character or anything, um, that at least we, you know, saw it where possibly, I don't want to say that like, I'm solely responsible for it. It's not, um, but like, you know, at, at least to, to see that an article and a point that I brought up at least was, you know, took into consideration um, and has, you know, at least had some, hopefully some effect um, on seeing, you know, a, a wheelchair using character, which we wouldn't see normally, especially in like a, a gritty dark fantasy. It's not something, 
that usually gets brought up unless the person's being seen as like a burden or um, is evil in some way or, you know, inherently bad because of their disability. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, hopefully like we, we get to see it addressed a bit more in The Witcher. I think that would just be really cool to see um, and would mean a lot because there are a lot of um, people, you know, who The Witcher means a lot to and especially a lot of uh, disabled people who it means a lot to as well. So I think it would just be really cool like to get to see that. Yeah. Are there any um, really good examples of um, a character with a disability in, in a fantasy or fairy tale kind of setting? Um, yeah, there, there have been uh, a few and it's it's never like solely like they're good representation or bad representation. They usually exist in this kind of gray area where the representation is good, but there are still flaws or pitfalls mm. that it suffers with usually because um it's able-bodied people writing it <laughs> um or created yeah. that character um so like uh for example even things as small as say an x-men um like so superhero fantasy uh charles xavier the famous iconic wheelchair user um in the background of pretty much every scene where he's in his his home uh you know the school uh, there are stairs everywhere and the only elevator is one going down into the basement. So how does he get up to his office? <laughs> you know, in the small things like that, um, yeah. inconsistencies. Um, and uh, even uh, Toaf um, in Airbender being blind, but technically still able to see because of a magical power. Um, and Like in Daredevil. Yeah, and Daredevil, yeah, can technically see colors and patterns even though he is blind um uh and it's is very he it's very like inaccurate um representation of the echo location that blind people genuinely can and do use um to navigate yeah. um and uh yeah it's it's uh yeah they, they kind of exist in that kind of yeah great area um where like they're good but you can see where you know, even though the intent was like good and um, and they're a well thought out character, there are just things that maybe wouldn't be caught by able bodied people, but are very much picked up on and noticed by disabled people. Um, yeah, um, we talked I talked about it on a stream um, and one of the um, the people that I was on stream with Noir, um, he was saying that uh you know, it's it's the same with when you can tell a white person has written a black character uh, because there are just tells. <laughs> and you get that as well yeah. with able-bodied people um, writing disabled characters, um, especially when they write, you know, disabled villains. Um, that's usually one of, like, the biggest. <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of red yeah. flags from it. Um, but, yeah, like, th yeah, th there have been, like, good like i don't want to say attempts because for the most part they are genuinely well-written characters it's just that there are areas where either it doesn't um portray the disability genuinely um or has a misunderstanding on how disability works um which sucks because you know disabled people have yeah. as much right to be in fantasy as everyone else absolutely so I want to go back in time a tiny little bit just to kind of find out how you end up in a consulting kind of uh, role-playing writing uh, a role really um so how old are you when tabletop games or games in general do you play video games i presume yeah do you? <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. um so how old are you when when games uh become a part of your life do, do you remember the moment um I don't remember the exact age, but I remember having a GameCube <laughs> um, okay. and playing on that. Um, I was more of a console kid growing up rather than PC gaming. But um, yeah, and it was very much Nintendo was mainly what I played. Um, and so, so video games have been part of it earlier and I didn't really get into tabletop until... Um, properly until I was 
17, 18-ish. Um, okay. So quite recent in comparison. Um, like I tried tabletop before that. I tried D&D before that, back when it was fourth edition. Um, and I think I must have been 14 at that point. Um, but it was really bad experience and it made me like not want to play. Oh. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's just not. What happened? Um, what? <laughs> it was, uh, I played a female character and I was the only one playing one at the table and the rest were all boys. Um, and the DM decided to make my character just constantly the damsel in distress that the rest of the party got to uh, save. And I was like, wow, D&D sucks. Like, this is rubbish. <laughs> this is boring. Um, yeah. And, you know, got back into it um, by the end of high school, just before I went to university um, and kind of fell in love with the game because I fell in with, like, you know, the right group of people to play with and I was like oh no this is what D&D is meant to be it's meant to be fun <laughs> um and everyone's meant to have fun um and yeah it all kind of took off from there and I got really passionate about it through university especially um but yeah like uh video games have, have been a part of it longer I think but yeah kind of kind of both really like you know I enjoy still enjoy playing video games um but I don't get to play as much tabletop as I used to now because I'm more busy writing for it than playing it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when you were a child, was it in your mind then? Did, did you ever think you'd end up um, in this position writing um, about games or did you have other aspirations? Um, no, um, it was uh, when I, I remember that I really wanted to be a a vet but then i was really bad at, at science oh, okay. i was like good at chemistry but i was bad <laughs> at biology and physics um and <laughs> uh so i was like yeah like it's it's not for me and then i got into writing for a while through english and i've always enjoyed that and reading um but i didn't think i'd be like oh i'm gonna be an author or anything i didn't think much of it i wasn't sure what i was gonna do by the end of high school um I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to university, um, and but I went in the end um, kind of just, I think it was literally like a week or something before applications closed. I was like, yeah, I'll apply wow. uh, because, you know, why, why not? It's worth it. Um, and uh, so I applied um, hoping, you know, I'd probably have more time to think about what I wanted whilst also getting a degree. Um, and uh, by my final year of university um i had kind of fallen into tabletop and playing it and really enjoying it and writing the odd bit and piece for it um but had nothing published or anything um until i put together the combat wheelchair and, and posted that online and then this <laughs> so i read that you came up with the idea at least um in principle uh during a lecture um and that you scribbled it on the back of a notebook or something like yeah, this is that yeah. right um you should have been listening <laughs> to be fair it was it was um it was a lecture that you pretty much like only had to turn up for for attendance to go towards your grade um because i wasn't okay. doing my essay on that topic um but i was like i have to attend anyway because of attendance um so I went okay. and I was kind of half listening. I was like, maybe there might be some things that are relevant to my essay. But you are right. Please do listen in your lectures and, <laughs> and uh, you know, work hard on your essays and everything. Um, but so, yeah, I, I was like... So you were there. And wh where, where does this idea come from? Because presumably at some point um, it manifested in your head is this idea that something's not right in these games. Mm -hmm. What um, happens? It was during my early years at uni, I guess, where it kind of started, where I wanted to play a disabled character for the first time. Um, and because I realized I'd pretty much only been playing able-bodied characters and I'm not able-bodied. And I was like, I'd be really nice to play someone like me. Um, and uh, our DM, who uh, is a lovely person, meant nothing horrible by it, but went, oh, there's no rules for that. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, oh, well, you could just, you know, take some negatives. And I was like, but that's not how, how <laughs> it works. But, <laughs> you know, and um, 
then I, I started talking about it more on Twitter and uh, discussing it with um, both the disabled community and the TTRPG community and all the areas where they intersected. Um, and uh, I was then playing with a group of friends that I'd made um, and they were disabled uh, and a few of them used wheelchairs and um, they were like, oh, it'd be really fun if we could just like play D&D characters um, who use wheelchairs and the wheelchairs can be part of, you know, the combat and everything. Um, and uh, it was literally like a, a day or so later, I'd been kind of thinking on, on that session and that call. Um, and as I was in that lecture, because I was like, uh, not that I wasn't paying attention, but that it wasn't relevant to my essay, I was like, kind of thinking about it um and wrote some some stuff down it was literally just like three actions um that are still part of the the core rules for the chair now which is um your ram tire strike and crush um and then we started you know playing with it like in in a session um and we were like okay it needs to account for this and account for that and then i kind of had like a very rough skeletal structure um and yeah worked on it more from there i even used you know the the university resources like going to the library um and uh taking out um well not taking them out but taking them off the shelves and studying um in my spare time between you know writing my uh my final uh, for studying for my finals <laughs> um and uh, reading about different types of wheelchair sports and the Paralympics and things like that. Um, and uh, also reading about fantasy and disability and how they interconnect and the kind of representation um, to be aware of any pitfalls I might have accidentally fall into whilst creating it. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, it, it eventually all came together and... Um, eventually I had the you know the confidence to post it online to the general public which was nerve-wracking um but yeah, it, yeah how long between um the idea and then posting it to the public how long um, was that that gap it was uh I think a year or maybe just slightly over a year okay um because it kind of just stayed like in closed circles with friends just kind of figuring out what do I need to take into account with regards to the rules um, and all of that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it kind of was a long process, but uh, it's been a fun one. So do you remember the year it came out? Uh, it was, um, oh, that you I've got it written it. down, <laughs> uh, just because I'm working on the rewrite. Um, it is... It, was, it came out on August 12th, 2020, so nearly two years ago now. Okay. <laughs> so it gets quite a lot of attention uh, from, from what I've seen. Um, how are you feeling around this? Do you, re do you remember releasing it? Were you quite nervous? I, I released it thinking um, it, it will get a few notes. Um, I'm sure that people in the community I've been talking to and with, you know, will enjoy it and that it will mean something to them and to my friends who use wheelchairs and want to play characters like them. Um, and yeah, I put, I posted it and thought nothing more of it. Um, and then, yeah, it all kind of just took off and I was like, Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, um, much like, uh, as I was saying earlier, it was also like another moment that was very surreal. I was like, oh, okay, you know, like seeing it take off, um, especially far greater than um, I ever anticipated. So um, what was the reaction like? Because I remember seeing um, at some point there were people from uh, Wizards of the Coast uh, even talking about it and, and, and kind of praising it and saying, you know, this is something that we should have in, in the official rules for the game um um do you uh yeah i had i had some people who who worked there um and i'm, I'm not sure if they still do because uh they change their staff every now and then um but 
uh, they they retweeted it, you know, showing support for it um, and saying, you know, that it's something that should be in D and D um, or exist, you know, in the D and D sphere. Um, but I I don't know anything about official rules. Um, I haven't <laughs> uh, been approached or asked for any of that. Um, but yeah, getting to you know, getting the support of people like that um, helped uh, it gain traction. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, that kind of made it um, blow up further than I, I ever thought it would. <laughs> yeah. But, um, was the attention welcome? Was, 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 was that good? Or was, was there any resistance from certain areas of the, um, the D&D community? Um. Yeah, uh, it was, for the most part, positive, um, people being excited for it um, and stuff. Um, and then there were others who were like, uh, but wouldn't a disabled person just have a fantasy about not being disabled? And I was like, no. Um, and the, the yeah. fact that you seem to think a disabled person's fantasy is not being disabled kind of, you know, tells on what you think about disabled people um as a person and you know there are people who were trying to say but you know like in a in a setting where magic exists like why wouldn't you just magic away your disability and i was like that's not how it works um and stuff like that just basically you know the same old ableist rhetoric of disabled people yeah. not allowed in my fantasy game um you know, in a game where submarines and pirate ships in space <laughs> exist and there are dragons and magic, a chair with wheels is taking it a step too far, um, <laughs> which, yeah, was was wild. Um, and uh, but, you know, um, it, it it still gets that now um, at its worst. Um, there were death threats, but like, wow. you know, all, all from kind of throwaway accounts, nothing actually like substantial all people who were you know too afraid to kind of say it to your face kind of people um and uh yeah that that sucked for a while um yeah because you know <laughs> as as throwaway as the comments may or, or or may not be they still get through right they still oh yeah yeah and you know it it was just me being i think i was just really tired of it you know because like uh for sure there's only so much you can you can take as a person and also as well that like all of them thought they had like some magical point you know owning the the liberals i guess kind of point where it was like no you've just said the same thing that nine thousand <laughs> other people have said and all of them are wrong because you know you aren't disabled and you don't know what the experience is like and you just think disability equal bad um you know and uh, so yeah, it was. It's it's nowhere near as bad anymore. It's it's there. There are a few that make it into my spam folder, and they're always a delight because they're always like you know poorly written and poorly thought out and <laughs> hilarious for the most part. Um, now, but like you know when when I first published, it, well, first posted it online, um, it was overwhelming to deal with. Like you know, suddenly getting that much attention on something you've done. Um, when you didn't anticipate or expect it to get that big. Um, it was, yeah, really overwhelming. <laughs> um, but, you know, even, but now it's, it can still get overwhelming, but now it's more like it's, it's a project that I enjoy returning to and I have fun working on and adding stuff to. And um, I care more about the people it makes happy than those, those who are upset. Like, you know, I, I don't care. Um, there's the we have the running joke now of um, whenever a new update gets posted, someone puts in the replies an image, and it's called Combat Wheelchair Bingo, and it's like all of the the <laughs> reasons why a wheelchair can't exist in D and D, and we wait for you know people to to comment that and have a laugh about it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's the followers like that that have like kind of <laughs> held together. Uh, um, when I've been really bad, um, because, you know, they, they make it something that, you know, is inherently really sad to see the fact that people are like that upset over more people enjoying D and D, um, and getting into it. Um, you know, uh, it, they, they turn it into something hilarious. Like it genuinely is 
hilarious, like absurd that people <laughs> feel so threatened by a chair with wheels in a game where you can be anything like that's the point, um, you know, and um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, just, just very bizarre. Um, but it's, it's far more fun to work on now than it is daunting. Um, and a lot of that has come down to the, uh, the support um, that pretty much everyone who, you know, follows me and has retweeted it has shown for it. Um, oh, I'm, and, I'm glad yeah. it sounds like you have a, a healthy, um, a healthy relationship with it now. Yeah, um, and some of the support has been incredible. I saw that someone created a whole line of um, uh, yes. miniatures. Yes, uh, um, Strata it. did, yeah. Um, they reached out. Um, for the most part, they'd been work. They you, they work usually in tandem with Steamforged, um, so they're the people who made the miniatures for like you know um, Dungeons and Doggos, and um, I believe they also have some of the sculptors who sculpt the boss miniatures and monster miniatures for the ones that you see on the Critical Role campaigns for like um, the the bosses and stuff, um, and uh, they said. Um, that, uh, you know, usually we do stuff in the background, but we saw this and we thought this is a, a great opportunity to show support for something. And also, you know, um, uh, step into the limelight showing support for something and um, that they firmly, you know, believed in. Um, and the money, I think 25% of um, the profit goes to uh, the Ailes Danlos Society, which is a UK um charity i think there's also a u.s equivalent or they have uh the charity in the u.s as well but i can't remember what it's called there um and uh the rest of the money like nobody profits off it it all just goes into paying for them to be printed <laughs> um yeah so pretty much yeah um 75 goes to printing 25 percent literally just goes straight to the charity um and yeah um so i i you know worked with them and um they were you know really supportive um and we've even had uh paralympians and such help work on the line um oh, by wow. telling us uh i think it was our ranger um when they were designing the ranger um they had a paralympian who is um a wheelchair archer um to show how the wheelchair is adjusted and accommodating <laughs> for an actual bow for archery. Awesome. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all been like correct. And uh, the monk as well, the monk miniature has a, I think it's a tennis um, wheelchair because they're very like designed for quick speed, turning impact um, and agile movement, which, you know, everything that a monk should be <laughs> um, in terms of the class build. Uh, so yeah, we, we had a lot of, um, fun designing them. Um, and it was, you know, really cool to see, um, one of them on Critical Role, um, Matt Mercer painted one, um, for, uh, to use as a miniature for Dagon, um, the character, um, he uses a wheelchair in the Mighty Nine campaign. Awesome. So do you have two questions here do you have any idea how many people have um i think you're on version three um now <laughs> do you have any idea how many people have downloaded um the combat wheelchair add-on for dungeons how many people are using it perhaps? um i've that's a difficult thing to no idea probably. i don't think i don't think i really have like a, a definite number or anything um but i can say like you know it's it's reached places like um brazil um and uh there are people in japan using it as well um and i've had emails from people you know across the world being like hey like we use it um and we printed it off or we downloaded it and either you know translated it for their table because not everybody speaks english but they translated it and um you know um have I'm using it at their table um, and there are people who've reached out and say that they use it as kind of uh, gleaning who they want at their table that if somebody has a complaint about it they're <laughs> like yeah you're not the person we want to play with you know yeah. um, especially you know if their reasoning is 
deliberate ignorance um because i've said before you know there's, there's a big difference between just being ignorant of something and then willful ignorance um and it's the willful part that's the uh the very harmful kind um so uh yeah it's it's um yeah it's kind of daunting to think about still on that level where i'm like oh yeah people across the world have used this thing um that i thought would only get my friends using it and maybe a couple of other people um you know and it's it's bizarre to think of in terms of um shows that it's been on just like critical role and and rivals of Waterdeep, where i'm like yeah they've been on you know official D D shows that's wild <laughs> um <laughs> You know, and, and so used by DMs that I really, ex you know, respect because, you know, I hold them in high regard. They got me into D&D &D as well. So what's the do you have a plan with the with the combat wheelchair add on? So it's on version three now. Do you feel like you have uh, much that you want to add to it still? Do you feel like you want to push it to become an official part of the I'm not canon I don't know what the word is but official part of the rules um what what's your plan with it if you have one um I mean with regards for ever being official um it's it's been made pretty clear to wizards that like you know I'm open to talk with them about that um I've just heard nothing from them um and uh, but I would like to, there, there are still things that I want to add. I've got some, um, ideas for like, essentially what's like, um, a, a, a little brochure that will go in the, the PDF that's, um, basically, uh, showing different types of like wheelchairs from like across like the, the realms, I guess, or from different locations. Like, um, I've talked about it on, on Twitter, but I've got ideas for combat wheelchairs that, um, are designed a bit more for like campaigns like Baldur's Gate. So they're very like Mad Max Fury Road. Um, and then there are ones for, um, the Northern realms where obviously it's ice and snow and that they're more like sleds and that there are specific types of like sled dogs that pull them, um, and different types of upgrades from, from all over. Um, there's a, a steam powered one that I want to get down uh, officially, which is, um, you know, inspired for the setting of uh, Sigil and Planescape and um, all of that. Uh, and there are a few um, new upgrades and stuff that I've got in mind that I've been working on in my spare time. Um, I've done all the subclasses that I want to do. <laughs> um, I think every every subclass now for D&D that, you know, um, exists now has a, um, a specialized uh, subclass. Um, and, uh, I've written my own class as well for it. And yeah, there's, there's been a lot. Um, and there are a couple short story things that I want to add on because the most recent, um, edition version of, uh, the combat wheelchair has, um, some flash fiction in it, um, which is about one of my D and D characters, um, who uses, uh, a combat wheelchair. Um, and yeah, I think I think I would either like to get it if it doesn't get to be part of the official rules that I would like to get a print version out that people can optionally pay for if they want like a, you know, a hardback version. But otherwise, right, because at the moment it's it's, it's free. At the moment. Yeah. Um, and I'd still keep the PDF online for free um, for people. Um, but yeah, like, you know, then people have an option that if they want like a you know, nice hardcover for their shelves, because I know people like collecting module books like that, um, that it would That's be, me. I'm, yeah. I'm that, person. <laughs> um, that it would be, you know, something nice for them to have, especially because in the most recent, um, version, which is version 3.0.1, um, has, you know, I reached out and loads of disabled people in the community artists did the artwork for it um this time around and it's all you know uh of a standard that i kind of wanted it to be from like the the day that like i you know wrote it down i was like yeah i wanted to have like all this cool artwork and everything um and i've uh ended up in the position where i could pay um specifically disabled artists to do it because i wanted to keep it you know like a project that disabled people had worked on um and getting to do that was really fun. Um, and I would like to see it if I have the opportunity for it to be like in print. I think that would be really cool. That would be cool. Um, 
so specifically wizards of the coast have never contacted you never talked to you about any of this uh not about the combat wheelchair no um i've uh done some stuff on uh with wizards but that was through magic the gathering on strixhaven and it was like a consultant edit kind of thing um rather than anything to do with my work and what i do here um (laughs) or um about the combat wheelchair okay so uh, you mentioned that you were in a position where you were able to um, to pay people, but this is largely, you know, you don't charge for this uh, for the combat wheelchair add-on because that's against the principle of it, mm-hmm. um, I suppose. Um, but your your paid work is for Artalzorian Games, is that right? Um, they're one of the people who hire me. Yeah. Um, okay. For different projects <laughs> and stuff. So um, for them, so I heard. Um, that obviously the witcher has been a large part of the um the work that you that you've done um is that correct uh, i'm saying that yes like... um i've done some small stuff on cyberpunk which was um dlc stuff um but the witcher is like i've written you know two adventures for that and other stuff with them on that <laughs> so i've done a lot more for the witcher so I, I heard um, that you got into The Witcher through The Witcher 3 video game, in fact, um, in The Witcher universe, and friends were talking about um, the game, and that got you into the books. Is that is that right? Yes. Um, a partner at the time um, played Witcher 3. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I was like, I'll give it a go. Um, kind of really like fell in love with the world. I don't think I experienced the game as it was meant to be experienced because obviously it's the third installment and <laughs> I didn't know anything about the characters, but I enjoyed the game for what it was. Um, and uh, my partner was like, oh, um, there's a book series it's based on. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and went and got that, read them all, um, thoroughly enjoyed them. And then I was like, okay, now I have to play the video games like from one through to three. <laughs> and then, you know, okay. managed managed to get through one with its tanky controls. <laughs> um, but uh, I really enjoyed it. And then two was also great, but yeah, three is like a fantastic game. And the fact that, you know, it has two DLCs, which are both game length and yeah. super cheap, but brilliantly written and everything. Yeah, they, they are an amazing game. <laughs> like, I don't think... I always thought that, like, you know, it might be one of those games that people kind of hyped on a little bit and it's not that good. But no, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, like, is a very good game and deserves the awards that it still gets to this day, quite frankly. Yeah, for sure. So uh, how did you get in contact with Artazorian? Because um, they seem to be quite open and, you know, where where wizards maybe aren't. I know that there's a size difference in the companies here, but... Uh, they seem to be quite open and approachable. How how did that relationship come about? Um, uh, I f- found out, I think just before my birthday or something, that um, there was a Witcher tabletop um, game. And I was like, oh, nice. Like, it was literally only the core rule book at this point. Um, and I got gifted that by my parents for my birthday. Um, and, nice. uh, you know, really wanted to play a game of it. Um, hadn't been able to get one going just because disinterest in my friend group, which, you know, fine, which is not for everyone. Um, and uh, I think it was um, it was one of Wandering DM's streams um, on Twitch. It was a charity stream, um, which was Kelly Butler, Doug Kako, and Matt Mercer um, playing Tris, Geralt, and Dandelion, respectively. Um, you know, uh, on an adventure and it was all for charity and everything. And I really enjoyed it. And um, I did like uh, some doodles and tweets about it. Um, and it was, it was fun. It was a really fun like experience. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like Artelsorian Games kind of reached out through there and I got invited to the next charity game that they did, um, which was um, Doug, um, Doug Cockle, uh, Kelly Butler um, and uh, B. Dave Walters and Johnny Chiodini. Um and I got to play uh, my character um, Ren who was like my own character and she's disabled um, and she was a lot of fun to play and it was a blast and I had so much fun 
Um, and I was already at that point very passionate about the Witcher vocally on Twitter anyway. Um, and uh, yeah, Artel Sorian just reached out and they were like, hey, um, we have uh, essentially openings coming up um, where if you want to, you know, try and get a, a writing place with us, you can submit a short adventure that you write, um, you know, and uh, we'll then go from there and whoever we choose, you know, we'll get to write on the next book and uh i was like sure why not um you know it only has to be a short adventure i think it was something like four pages or something i wrote 12 pages um <laughs> it got away from me a bit um <laughs> i ended up putting in like a small like you know dictionary kind of key of um the uh elder speech and stuff um and really got like excited about it submitted it thought you know, I, I've shot my shot. I either get it or I don't. Um, and uh, just before I'd graduated university, they reached out and they were like, hey, yeah, we'd love for you to come in and write on um, <laughs> a book of tales uh, for us. And yeah, it all kind of just from there. <laughs> um, I, I then got to go on to other stuff with them, which was, uh, you know, incredibly kind of them. And it's been lots of fun. I've enjoyed everything that I've worked on with them. <laughs> Fantastic. So um, are you doing, um, so you've just done some work with them. Are, are you doing more work with them in the future? Are um, they... I've just finished something recently with them. Um, I'm not sure about their future projects and stuff because I think pretty much everywhere has kind of been on hold with COVID and stuff. Projects have been delayed <laughs> um, and yeah. stuff. So I'm not sure with where they're at and what they plan to do next. Um, but I know that you know, um, they've been bringing out more uh, Cyberpunk Red DLCs and stuff. So hopefully, um, hopefully, fingers crossed, I get to work on more Witcher stuff with them because it's been a lot of fun doing that. Um, and uh, yeah, like it's 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 always fun working for them. They're just like a great company to work with. Um, very receptive to fans, um, what they've enjoyed, what they want to see more of, um, you know, and very... Uh, outspoken on Twitter about their stances on, um, you know, uh, like, like, for example, with um, the disability representation and how they wanted to do better in this edition of Cyberpunk um, and how they want to do better in uh, future Witcher projects and stuff. So they've been quite ex outspoken about that um, and have actively, you know, been shown to be taking the steps uh, forward with that too. Fantastic. And um, I mentioned in the introduction as well that you've done some work for Pathfinder and Starfinder uh, and some other games. Um, which other things have you been uh, working on? Did that encompass all the kind of work that you've been doing or are there other things that are occupying your time um, uh, at the moment? At the moment, um, it's been stuff um, like small kind of writing jobs, mostly on people's um, either upcoming Kickstarter events um, or... Uh, on stuff that will soon be released. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a lot of jumping around from place to place. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's um, like at the moment as well, because um, with Christmas and everything, uh, there's always like kind of, um, I, I guess a, a period of where like it goes a little bit quiet for a while over Christmas because of like holidays and usually that's when stuff goes out to print is over the holidays um and stuff like that and then projects usually get picked up around now so fingers crossed i get brought on for more things um uh and yeah there's um uh arcadia and stuff that i've worked on as well um which was a lot of fun um getting to do a character for that um and getting to see people really enjoy that too um so yeah it's it's yeah, um, it's it's always difficult to talk about because I'm like a lot of it is under NDA, <laughs> so I'm like <laughs> vaguely having to talk about things without saying too much. Um, but there is um, some stuff that should be coming out, I think, this year. Um, I can't say when because of like the whole delay with COVID on printing and stuff that it's had the effect. 
For sure. Um, but yeah, hopefully this year um, we'll get to see some of those projects that I worked on, um, you know, come out and uh, people get to enjoy them. Fantastic. Um, so we're kind of coming to the end of my uh, my questions, but I have um, a few that um, I ask everybody um, and we'll see what your answers are. So the, the first one is what was your first game uh, that you played, if you remember? Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I know it was like... It's either a PlayStation One game or a, or a GameCube game, one or the other. Um, uh, I think hmm, PlayStation One, I think, because the first Crash Bandicoot game, I think, okay. first one, um, kind of, you know, that that era, along with like the first Spyro game, I guess. Um, and then, if I'm going with GameCube. I definitely remember playing a lot of um, Zelda Wind Waker on that, which mm -hmm. still remains one of my favorite Zelda games. <laughs> um, it's a wonderful it is game. It's such a good game. Um, so, yeah, like those, those two, uh, well, those three technically games are the ones that I remember playing. While we're on this topic, actually, have you, would you, have you, will you? Um, consider consulting on video games because you know tabletop RPGs is is one thing, but um, would you cross over into video um, games? Is there any interest? There? I consulted with um, Codename Entertainment on um, the Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms um, because my D and D okay. character Talon, who uses a wheelchair, is in that game now, um, and. Nice. Uh, that was back in November 2020, I think it was, that they reached out. And then he came out in January 2021-ish, this kind of time uh, last year. Um, and I consulted on that, and that was um, a lot of fun, um, you know, because it's just... I, I would definitely like to work on either video game representation of disability or even in TV I think that would also be like a lot of fun or just, just stuff like TV and in, in terms of TV, anything from like, you know, live action shows to cartoons, I think would also be really fun. Um, like angle to go with. I mean, if I, if I had to say like what my dream would be, it would be to get to work on something Star Wars related from a disability perspective. I would sell my soul happily <laughs> for enough for an opportunity <laughs> to to do something with Star Wars, um, especially because one of my like the characters that I go to um, in terms of uh, a good uh, villain who is also disabled is Darth Maul, um, because uh, his his representation of his disability isn't what like his disability isn't what makes him evil or a bad person. Uh, he just is a bad person who happens to be disabled, um, which is how you should go about what, what it. What is his disability? Um, I, okay. I'm not aware um, So aware he got chopped this. in half by Obi-Wan um, and he gets right. cybernetic legs. Um, so he has prosthetics. Ah, okay. um, and, uh, you know, um, they could have fallen into the pitfall of, oh, he's angry that, you know, uh, Obi-Wan made him disabled and therefore you know he takes it out on everyone else which would be uh you know typical of how a disabled villain would be represented but instead it's less about him being disabled he's after obi-wan because obi-wan was only a padawan and he thinks it's like a massive insult ah. essentially because um maul's like you cost me everything like my master like basically ditched me and like you were like a Padawan, that's not fair. Now I'm going to kill everyone you love, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and get revenge on you because uh, you showed me up, basically. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, that that that's like one of my, my favorite things about the character is he just happens to be disabled. Um, and his disability um, comes up sometimes in, in very, like, um, unique ways um, and it's, and uh, he has these cybernetic legs um, and I think they have Dora steel in them or a type of steel in Star Wars that um, is uh, magnetic and they turn the, the 
the magnets oh. on in the ship while he's trying to escape to like anchor him in place <laughs> and it works for a moment because then they remember he's a very powerful force user <laughs> and yeah so like even though they they um you know use his disability in that fight like he still navigates his disability um in an effective and very like um fitting way for that character um yeah he's just a, a great character and you know i have a soft spot spot for uh, sam witwer anyway like he's a great person and him him doing darth maul's voice is just perfect like he is the perfect <laughs> darth maul <laughs> so is so is this why you have a, a, a darth <laughs> yeah. maul tattoo is that why um, he's made made well, it yeah your... like i picked basically the characters that i i really liked um and darth maul was like yeah definitely i have to if i'm gonna have one of the sith it's gonna be darth maul because i have the con the, uh, in my friend group the controversial opinion that he is the best Sith character hands down in all of Star Wars and I know that's like a big thing to say um, but I just yeah I really love um, Darth Maul a lot like he's just like very interesting very fun character um, and uh, yeah he yeah like his his whole arc in um, Clone Wars and how it gets resolved in Rebels is just you know chef's kiss incredible writing very good character <laughs> So Star Wars, um, I have a soft spot for uh, Darth Nihilus and uh, particularly I've just always enjoyed this idea that there's not even a person under the cloak. It's a bit like a, one of yeah. the wraiths in Lord of the Rings almost. It's just like a, a vortex almost sucking in just force energy. Um, and it always bugs me when I see pictures of uh, Darth Nihilus with a human shape. Yeah or like a humanoid shape underneath. Cause I'm like, that's not, I once spoke to Obsidian about this and, and the person who designed the character was like, yeah, it's not, there's no person under there. It's just, yeah, like, I, yeah. Uh, it's just a wound. Yeah. In the he, force. um, he gave me very like big Eldritch horror vibes. Um, when I first read mm. about him and I was like, yes, like that's very cool as a concept. I love that so much. <laughs> and I also loved, um, sort of adjacent to him i also love darth scion and darth treyer as well obviously but but i always i loved about darth scion how he was literally holding himself together uh with the force yeah. and um I've, i people just i don't know people seem to overlook uh those yeah. characters but i loved that someone would be so angry or have so much willpower they'd be literally yeah holding themselves yeah that's together. cool there are yeah. a lot of very cool um sith concepts um, and also dark, I guess, because they're not technically Sith, you could call them dark Jedi concepts as well, like that, where it's just, yeah, like, there's, I, I know that, like, they're all, like, legends now for the most part, but just, like, some things about the expanded universe are just, like, so off the rails, <laughs> which is uh, just extremely fun, like, to read about, um, but I am glad that, like, you know, characters like Bane um, stayed canon because he appears in Clone Wars <laughs> um, in one season for like an episode or something. And he's voiced by Mark Hamill. I love this when characters yeah. creep yeah. in somehow into a series and you're like, yeah. yes, they can. Um, and in uh, Bad Batch as well, there's a reference to Darth Revan in the background of like one scene. And I was just like, yes, he's canon again. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, and, you know, we're supposed to be getting a new High Republic game and all of that so like i'm just and knights of the old republic is getting remastered as well so very exciting time to be in the star wars fandom <laughs> not just from a tv show perspective but from a you know video games and comics and stuff that are coming out it's very exciting <laughs> it is exciting um okay that was a tangent <laughs> let me get back star to my wars questions is always a tangent. Um, so uh, <laughs> so that was your first game. Do you remember what the last game was that you played? Um, oh, what was I playing the other day? Uh, <laughs> um, oh, it was, was... it Star Wars? No, it wasn't. Um, the day before that, I was playing Republic Commando on my Switch because they ported <laughs> it for Switch. Um, and uh, yesterday I was playing the new um, Pokemon Arceus. Okay. It's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to enjoy it. Oh, good. Um, so this is the this is the hard one. Um, what is your favorite game? 
Witcher 3. <laughs> Witcher, Witcher 3. 3. Yeah, Wild Hunt. Um, specifically Blood and Wine DLC. Um, it's okay. fantastic. Who doesn't like vampires? It's fun. <laughs> I really loved uh, the relationship between... I can't remember what he was called now, but um, the old vampire is your friend, and I loved it. Regis. Yeah, Regis. And then when they were sitting in the graveyard and yes. having a chat. Yeah, it's... They they got it perfectly from like the book to like putting him in the game. It was just um it was great. It was like very much you could tell that the people who'd like written that cared very much about Regis as a character, which I appreciated as a big Regis stan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, you know, getting getting to see that dynamic. It's like it's just a fun dynamic, like a, a monster hunter and a monster and them being like best friends and getting each other on a very deep level is just very sweet. I love that. <laughs> because they're almost two sides of the same, yeah, coin, same coin, I suppose. Yeah. And they're like that in the books as well. It's very sweet. Ah, oh, lovely. Um, well, Sarah, thank you so much uh, for spending this time with me. No problem. <laughs> um, and talking about all things that I could talk about for, <laughs> for much, much longer. Um, you can support Sarah's work um, on Patreon. Um, I think, and I'll, I'll supply a link to this description uh, in the description below. And also, uh, you can tip on Kofi, coffee. I don't know how to pronounce it. I pronounce um, it Kofi, I will... but I, I don't know. I've heard people say coffee. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> uh, it sounds weird, I guess, if you say coffee. What's that? Mm. What a cup of coffee? Um, but that's the anyway. That's another <laughs> discussion. But I'll pop these helpful links um, to everything. Um, everything, Sarah, in the description uh, below. But uh, a final thank you to you, Sarah, for spending the time and a final thank you to everyone uh, for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, with another interesting guest. Bye for now. Bye.